Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're in a series uh, called A Summer in the Psalms. Uh, We're going to spend all summer looking at the book of Psalms and uh, dissecting different psalms. And a lot of those psalms are correlated or they are connected to Old Testament happenings. And uh, we're going to look at one of those today. We're going to go to Psalm 57. Verse 1 in the message translation, it's a paraphrased translation, it says this, Be good to me, God, and now. Everybody felt like, a, anybody ever felt like an and now season? <laughs> like not just be good to me, God, but like right now. I've run to you for dear life. I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over. I call out to high God, the God who holds me together. He sends orders from heaven and saves me. He humiliates those who kick me around. God delivers generous love. He makes good on his word. I find myself in a pride of lions who are wild for a taste of human flesh. Their teeth are lances and arrows. Their tongues are sharp daggers. Soar high in the skies, O God. Cover the whole earth with your glory. They booby-trapped my path. I thought I was dead and done for. They dug a man trap to catch me and fell in headlong themselves. I'm ready, God, so ready, ready from head to toe, ready to sing, ready to raise a tune. Wake up, soul. Wake up, harp. Wake up, lute. Wake up, you sleepyhead son. I'm thanking you. God, out loud in the streets, singing your praises in town and country, the deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud is a flag to your faithfulness. Soar high in the skies, O God. Cover the whole earth with your glory. Now, this is King David writing this psalm before he's a king. This is King David writing this psalm in the cave of Adullam as he is running for his life to escape King Saul who's trying to kill him. If you know the text, King Saul was jealous of David because David had been anointed to be the next king. Now, I'm going to tell you this, there's always a season, there's always a process between when you're anointed and when you're appointed, which is what happened to David. David was anointed as a young kid. But he, was, he didn't step into, uh, in, in, into uh, being king for years. Some people say 10 years later. So 10 years he's in the season of being anointed but not appointed. And Saul, not only is, is he not in his position yet, but now he has the, act, the, the sitting king trying to kill him. He's trying to take his life multiple times, tried to kill David. And now David runs for his life and he finds rest or he finds safety in a cave. The cave of Adullam. This, this, this cave actually means, Adullam actually means hiding place. It's, it was his hiding place. He, he, he hid out. It was his refuge. And there in the cave, David writes three different psalms. He wrote Psalm 34. He wrote, wrote Psalm 57, which we, which we just read. And, he's, and he uh, wrote Psalm 142. All of those psalms he wrote from the shelter of the cave. Now, if you understand this about, and we talked about this last week, if you missed last week, you need to go back and watch it on YouTube or on the podcast, because I, I believe it'll speak to you, and it gives some background to the writing of the Psalms. The Psalms were written in Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry is different than our poetry. They have rhyming thoughts instead of rhyming words or conflicting ideas. So you'll find, and this is David to a T, God, where are you? You have forsaken me. God, there you are. You never left my side. Like, David, which one? 
That is Hebrew poetry. It is conflicting ideas at its finest. And that is what the Psalms, and you see even in this Psalm, that David has a pendulum of faith that swings to God. Where are you? God, my enemies are fierce. To God, you'll never leave me. You're going to protect me. And I, I don't know if, about you, but I, have, I can relate with the pendulum of faith. I, I can relate with the, God, where are you? And the, oh, there you are. You never left. I, I, I can relate with that. David is relatable. And, and David finds himself in this cave, in a cave. I'm going to tell you what a cave is. A cave is any place you go to retreat. A cave is any place you go to hide, a place that you go for refuge. It doesn't have to be a physical place. It could be an emotional place. It could be a mental place that you go to. It could be a, a way that you check out. It could be something you run to. It could be a cave of compromise for you. It could be a cave of comfort. For you, it could be a cave of complacency for you. Different caves are different areas that we run to. And this is where David, as he's running for his life, he runs to the cave of Adullam. Now, as I was studying, I was thinking about caves, and I, I was thinking about how popular man caves are. And it took me down a very bad path because I started researching the top man caves in the world. And I started looking at these, and then I started like formulating plans in my mind, like how I could create one in my own house. And then I found this company that designs a man cave out of containers, and they'll build it in your backyard. And it's somewhat affordable. So I started thinking, I actually walked through the online process of designing it. I'm like, I'd like a window there. I'd like my chair there. I'd like to look out over the yard. That's incredible. And then the price came up, and I'm like, it's cool, we'll sell Jamie's car, she can Uber, and uh, I'm trying to figure out how I get my man cave. You know what I'm saying? Father's Day only comes around once a year, you just gotta try to cash in. It was incredible, but, but this is a wild thing. I, I had barely, I'd barely searched like a couple different man caves, and this is just creepy, it's creepy. They're listening. Right now. You're like, who? Well, this is what happened. I'm on Instagram a couple hours later, scrolling through photos of y'all and all of the wonderful posts about men's conference, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden an ad pops up for a soundproof man cave that can actually go in your house. It's like they're listening. They're like, I, I don't remember ever saying anything, but I must have searched it, typed it, whatever, and now it's on my Instagram feed. Now look at this man cave. This man cave is, is interesting. They, they will build it inside your house. So you have a room, they'll build it, and it's soundproof. And it has little windows, so you can see your kids playing out there. Has padded walls, for some of you dads that need that, like, you're crazy. Anyways. And so you can in there, you can be in there, and you can do whatever you want. You just like look out, look at little Johnny, but you're safe. It's a cave inside your house. How incredible is that? Some of your dads are like, I will pay anything for that right now. It's interesting the things that we run to for safety. It's, it's interesting the things that we try to escape to, to get away from, a place of refuge, a hiding place. And this is where we find David. David is in the cave of Adullam, not because this is where he wants to live. This is where he has retreated to. And I want to tell you something about a cave. As I've dealt with, with men and fathers and counseling, all kinds of different people, you, you can always trace a, you can always trace a cave season or a trace a retreat or a hiding place. You can always trace it back to fear. 
at the root of retreat is almost always fear. Now, I'm going to speak to you dads in here, and this message will apply to everybody, but I want to speak to the dads because I want you to know this, that at the root of every retreat is some place of fear. Fear. Fear, like at the, at the end of it all, there is a fear of something or someone. There is undue pressure that you put on yourself to keep up with the Joneses or to be this or to be that. So-and-so got a new car, so I got to get a new car. They did this, so I got to do this. They went on vacation, so I got it's, it. It's all, it's all boiled down to fear. And I want to give you a couple of things. Fear of failure. Putting too much pressure on yourself. You know what, as, as I speak to men, if, if you break through the, le- the top layers of men and you get down to their core, every action, every reaction, every retreat, every hidden place, every cave, at the root of it is a place of fear. A fear of failure. I'm going to just tell you, dads, men, you put too much pressure on yourself. And it's the wrong pressure. We should have pressure to be men of God, but it's the pressure to be this or to be that or be successful here or to have this or to possess that or to get to this status or get to that job. It's it's, it's undue pressure, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of rejection. What if she rejects me? What if he rejects me? What if my boss rejects me? What if this? What if that? The the fear of rejection. These fears will cause you to retreat to a safe place to a hidden place, to a cave place, a fear of man. Well, this is fear of people. This is people-pleasing. You, you know what? I think, I think we care entirely too much about what other people think about the way that we live our life. I think we care way too much how people think about where we go to church, when we go to church, how often we go to church, how we live our lives, what we do, what we don't do, our standards, our lack of standards. I think we care way too much how they're raising their kids and how we should raise our kids. I think we care just way too much. And that fear often causes people, instead of engaging in leadership, to retreat in hiddenness. And I feel that we are at a crossroads in our world with men specifically, that we need men to stand up and be counted. We need men to lead. We need men to lead their marriages and lead their families. We need men to be the men of God that God's called them to be. But I find for most men, it doesn't take long in this life before something hits them, scares them, wounds them, scars them to a place of hiddenness instead of of advancement. God's called you to advance. God's called you to move forward. A cave can make you a caveman or a king, depending on how you handle it. A cave can make you a caveman or a king. See, David was a king. He wasn't a king yet, but there was a king in him. I'm going to tell you this, there's something in you that God is developing. There is something of greatness that's on the inside of you that God knows is there and is trying to bring out of you. And God will allow circumstances to come against you and to face you to make sure that the king that he put inside of you comes out. But for many of us in the midst of the cave season, we get discouraged or we lose sight of the promise. I wish I could have like snuck into the cave of Adullam and told David like, hey, David, here's the deal. You're in the cave, but like really, in a matter of months, Saul's going to be dead. You're going to be king. Like, just don't even stress, man. Like, stop writing those emo psalms. 
it's really discouraging. It's like, you know, since you're over here, it's like, God, where are you? And over here, you're like, God, you've been here the whole time. It's like, I don't know what David we're getting. And so, like, just chill, man, because it's going to happen. You know what? I think that's how God sometimes feels when he looks into our lives. It's like, hey, I, I promised you you'd make it. I promised you you'd be all right. I promise you I'll bring you out on the other side. I promise, I just, spray zone right here. It's like SeaWorld up in here. It's just, sorry about that. I promised you I would bring you out. I promised you that I'll provide for you. And for many of us in the midst of the cave, we not only struggle with fear, but we also struggle with blame. Because we find ourselves in a situation and now we think, God, why did you allow us to do this? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow these people to do this to me? David never does this. In the Psalms, instead, he talks about his raw emotions, but at the same time, he talks about the faithfulness of God. As much as he talks about feeling like God's absent, absent, he never declares that God's, God's left him or God has a bad heart or bad character. He says he feels neglected. And then the pendulum will swing to the other side, and he says, but I know you have a plan. I feel like you left me, but I know that you would never leave me. I feel discouraged, but I know. Do you know? Do, do you know what God feels about you, thinks about you? Now, I want you to know this. Your attitude in the cave determines how long you stay in it. There is no way to avoid caves. There is no way to avoid places of retreat, places of protection, hidden seasons. There's no way to avoid it. But your attitude in the cave will determine how long you stay in it. Now, I, I want to show you something. Many of you know this, but we are three-part beings. We are, we are constructed of body, soul, and spirit. Now, we've got this on the screen for you to be able to see it. But your body, it's, it's, this, is, this is your body, your, your, your tent, your flesh. This is some of you are really proud of your bodies. Some of you are not. Some of you are wishing that you just were in this body forever. And some of you are just can't wait to go to heaven and get something new. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, man, I put a lot of work into this one. I can't let it go. And so some of you are like, I cannot wait to let it go. It's your body. Your body doesn't live forever. People get weird about death. Like you put someone in a casket and, and it's like, oh, I'll see. Listen, that body is gone. That, that body is out of here. Like now they're my angel. I'm just going to help somebody. Isn't, they're not your angel. There are real angels, but the dead person is not an angel. They're not an angel, okay? So I, I see this happen all the time. People are like, oh, yeah, now they're my angel overlooking you. No, your God's overlooking you. And if you look to them to overlook you, then it's called idolatry. Because I'm looking to a person that has now ceased to exist to be my protector. God's your protector. He's your provider. Anyways, another message for another time. Body and soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul your soul man, your soul person. Now this, this part of you is where you get your thoughts, your will, your ambition, your desires, your passions, your, what you feel. This is your soul. And then you have your spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that connects to God. The spirit of a man, of a woman, is what will never die. When you bury a body in a casket, that spirit is not in the casket. 
That spirit either goes to be with Jesus or is separated from Jesus based on if you've allowed Jesus into your life. That, that's, that's, that's what this is. Your spirit is going to live forever. Your soul is what you feel. Your body is just a tent in which you're living in right now. Now, this is, this is super interesting that David, when he speaks to himself, he, talk, he talks to his soul. If you read this in the Psalms multiple times, David says this. He says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? You, you, can, you can work all you want on your body. That's, that's great. It's just here for a season. All right? You're going to get older. Things that were once up here are going to be down here. It just, it just happens, okay? It's just it's, it's life. You can fight it as long as you want, and I plan on fighting hard. I'm going to put in some work. But at the end of the day, it just... Gravity wins, okay? <laughs> Body, my soul, my soul. Your soul is the part of you that would question God. Your soul is the part that gets discouraged. Your soul is the part that feels joy, but your, jo your soul is also the part that feels sadness. Your spirit is the part where you get divine revelation. It's the part that connects with God. And when David speaks to himself, he does not say, why, body, are you not doing what you should be doing? He does not say, why, spirit, are you not open to God? He says, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? I've got to get my mind right. I've got to get my thoughts right. I've got to get my emotions right. And this is what I've found to be true of a lot of fathers. And I'm going to believe it's no, no fathers in this place, probably in the last service. For most fathers, they show up in body, but their soul isn't home. See, for, for most dads, the checklist of good is present. But there's more than that. There's more than being present. There's more than providing. It's called your soul. It's, it's, it's called connection. It, 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 it's, you, you can show up every day, Dad. You can come home for dinner every night, be home on time. You can provide and pay the bills. That's great. But that's not the litmus test to be a good dad. That's your body. But your kids need your soul. They need your mind, your will, your emotions. They need to know the real you, not the fake you, not the tough you, not the callous you. They need to know your heart. Now, I want you to know this. David was not like some pansy man. David was a warrior. When he's a kid, he's killing a lion and a bear. When he was a kid, 15 years old, he kills Goliath. This dude's not a pansy. He grows up to be one of the fe most feared warriors. Now, this is like, nobody tells this story. Nobody preached on this story, but this is in your Bible, okay? This is in your Bible. If you get mad, get mad at God, I guess. No, don't. But this, David's about to marry Saul's daughter. Saul says, here's the price. for my." And if I have ever a daughter, this is probably what I'm going to do. He goes, this, this is the price. He goes, I want you to bring me the foreskins of 200 Philistines. He says, I'll be right back. Comes back with a little Ziploc. Where's your daughter? You know, <sighs> this is in your Bible. David was a bad, bad man. Like, I wouldn't mess with David. If David walked up to me, I'd be like, bro, bro, no, no. Like, you get away right now. He's a scary man. 
But in all his toughness, he was not calloused. So for being so mighty and for being so manly, he also was in touch with his soul. See, I think in our culture, we've confused tough with being callous. I don't feel. I don't cry. I don't show emotion. Toughen up, kid. Toughen up, son. Toughen up. That doesn't hurt. You're going to get over it. It's life. You can raise warriors without being jerks. David was tough as they come. But he understood that he had thoughts and emotions and feelings. And you see all throughout the Psalms that this mighty warrior also said, I'm struggling. And my concern is that we have a generation of fathers that do not tell anyone when they're struggling. And they are fighting silent battles and retreating to unseen caves that we don't even know about. And in their body, they're sitting in these seats. But in their soul, they're far from here. And we need a revival of the human soul. We need a revival of fathers that are not just here in body, but they're here in soul soul that they can be real that we struggle we have difficulties we're gonna fail we're gonna mess up but our heart David messed up all the time he was an adulterer he was a murderer and the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart how do you reconcile that I mean you're mad because he doesn't take out the laundry or the garbage you know it's like It's like David's an adulterer and a murderer. God's like, oh, proud of you, son. It's like, yo, God, we got to like talk about why, how you approve of people. Like this is getting getting serious. Because even though David struggled, this is what Paul said. He said, the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Why? Because his spirit was willing. But his flesh, his soul, was weak. This is, this is the battle that every one of us fight. It's, most people do not sin because they're evil. Most people sin because they have a tendency or they have a weakness and their flesh is stronger than their spirit. And in that battle, they lose. And I'm going to tell you this, the first way to get out of that place is to begin to be honest about the place that you're in. Did you know that suicide is at an all-time high in our nation? That the suicide rate for males is four times greater than that of females? That dads all across the world are killing themselves and ending their lives, not thinking about how it's going to affect their kids or their, or their wives or their families because they have retreated so far in a cave that not only is their soul retreated, but now they want to retreat in body as well. They can't take it. And I want to tell you this. David is a perfect example in the cave of Adullam of going through some of the worst caves and worst struggles, but yet coming out of what he was in. And I want to show you how he did it as we begin to wind down. He says this. David says this in verse 1. He says, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. We need fathers to do what David did In the cave of his life, we need dads to learn how to take refuge in God. What is refuge in God? Refuge in God is trusting him. It's relying on him. 
It's not God as a last resort. It is not God as the last option. It is your kids seeing you encounter a cave, encounter a struggle. Say, we got to go to God. We got to trust what his word says. Hey, I know we're going through an issue right now, but we're going to trust God. We're going to make him our refuge. Where you run in times of trouble shows who you truly trust for help. Who you run to, what you run to in times of trouble shows who you really trust for help. The second thing that David said in verse 2, it says, I will cry out. I will cry out to God most high. I want you to know this. Some of you are like, yeah, that's awesome, David. I will cry out. I'm going to tell you this. I will cry out is not a silent cry. It's actually an oxymoron to say like a silent cry because there's not such a A cry is out loud. David would cry aloud. One of, the, one of the Hebrew words for cry aloud that David uses often is a word that's gut-wrenching scream. You ever prayed like that? You're like, I, I, I have a hard time like lifting up my pinky finger, you know? Like, whoa, it's getting crazy in here. I have a hard time like mouthing the words to the song. David says, I cry aloud. You know, I, I want for my boys, I want them not just to hear me preach about crying out to God. I want them to hear me crying out to God. I make it a point that in front of my sons that they hear me praying. They hear me crying out to God. This, this, I saw this illustration in action the other day. Jude and I were playing baseball. He loves to hit, and so I'm pitching to him until he's five, and he just hits it again and again. He can just go all day. So finally, I'm like, you need, you need to learn the rules. If you miss three times, that's three strikes, you're out, and I'm done. All right? So you won't keep playing. You keep on hitting. But if you strike out, it's over. So I pitch it to him again. He misses. I'm like, oh, we're close. I pitch it again. Misses. I'm like, now listen, that's two strikes. You get three strikes, you're out. Dad's done. He goes, Jesus, help me. Help me hit this ball. Help me, Jesus, please, please. I'm like, my goodness, son, like easy. <laughs> so he's praying, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Honestly, I'm praying too because now five-year-old is praying. I'm like, God, please answer his prayer. <laughs> I want to be dumb, but I also, I, I want him to hit this because I want, and, and so I throw it, and he hits it, and he looks at me, and he starts doing like this little like praise dance in the, in the room. He's like, it worked, it worked, and I'm like, it worked. I cry aloud. Your kids need to hear you. They need to see you crying aloud to God. Why? Because they will be what you are. You do not reproduce what you teach. You reproduce who you are. Are. They need an example. They don't need a PowerPoint. They don't need a teaching. They need something to watch. And I, I promise you, they're watching. They're watching. You know, they say some of the most formative ages of a child are between the ages of three and seven. The ages where they just start to be able to play by themselves, and you start thinking they'll be okay. The most formative ages of their life. you got to be there. I was at a conference and I heard a guy, a dad of four boys, and all grown now, and, and, and he, he began to break down how he has been a father to them. And he said his passion as a pastor is to make sure that other dads and moms see their kids in heaven. 
He said, I'm, I'm changing the entire way that I preach. I'm preaching to help moms and dads see their kids in heaven. That their spirit will be united in heaven. And he said, these are some of the things that he did. He said, you have to pray prophetically. Pray prophetic. Not just what you see. Pray what you don't see. God, they're going to excel in every area. God, they have hearts that burn for you. God, we prophesy over them that they will be successful, that they will have favor, that they will know your presence. We pray over our kids every night that they would sense and know the presence of God. That at the youngest possible age, they would encounter his love and his goodness. Jude's five. I started talking to him about getting filled with the Holy Spirit last week. I'm like, bro, you need, you need some help from the Holy Ghost. Like, we're, we're going to start talking about praying in the, in the Holy Spirit. And so he hears me praying in the Spirit. He listens to me praying in the Spirit. Pray prophetically. Pray systematically. Not just when they're acting up. Not just when there's a problem. Pray systematically. Every day. Jamie, every night she prays the same thing over our boys. Lord, help them make the right decision, even when it's hard. And goes through her entire. Pray systematically. He said, give your kids something to look forward to practically. Dads, give your kids something to look forward to. Don't always be gone. Don't, I know you got to work. I know you got to do stuff. Just give them something to look forward to. And then don't cancel it. That's a key add-on. Because sometimes dads are good at like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Disneyland. When, Dad? We're going to go. But when? Next month. Hey, Dad, next month. Ah, sorry. Work's got busy. Don't make promises that you're not going to keep. Make a promise and stick with it. Fight the right battles. Parents, please fight the right battles. This is how this pastor said it. He said, focus on their heart and not their hair. That gives you a good. Skinny jeans don't always mean a skinny heart. It's for pastors too. You got to make sure you're fighting the right battles. Fighting the right things. Coming down on the right things. Confronting the right things. Be present. Not in body only, but in soul. Practice what you preach. That one hits pretty hard. Practice what you preach. David said, I will take refuge. I will cry aloud. And then he says this, I will praise. I will praise. We've been talking about this a lot as a community. Praise is not a thank you or a tip to God for what he's done. Praise is a declaration of faith of what he's going to do. So when I'm in the cave of my life, I'm gonna take refuge in God. God, I trust you. I'm gonna cry out to God. God, I need you. And I'm gonna praise God. God, I know you're gonna get me through. God, I take refuge in you. I trust you. I cry out to you. I need you. I praise you. God, I know you're gonna bring me through. I hope you got that. God, I take refuge in you. I trust you. God, I cry out to you. I need you. God, I praise you. I know you're going to bring me through. That's how David got out of the cave. That's how a caveman turned into a king. And I'll tell you right now in this room, there are men that have been locked up, women that have been locked up in the own, their own caves. And God is calling you out in his love and in his grace. He's calling you out of that place because he has things for you to do. He's got a plan for you, a purpose for you. He has an assignment for you. You're God's king. You're God's queen. God has an assignment for your life and you can't complete it in the cave of hiddenness.
or the cave of comfort or the cave of complacency or the cave of compromise. You have to advance. Take refuge in the Lord your God. Cry out to the Lord your God and praise Him. Hebrews chapter 12 in the message translation. I love this and we'll close with this. Verse 1 says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who have blazed the way. Now, another translation says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Most theologians believe that the great cloud of witnesses is everybody that's gone on before us to heaven. So our great-grandfathers, our, great, our founding fathers, our fathers in the faith, great men and women of God from the past, the apostles, all of these in the grandstands of heaven overlooking us. Because you have to imagine how big eternity is and how small our lives are. Eternity is, so now all of heaven is watching the only people that are living on earth in this frame of life that we have. And it says, now that you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now all these pioneers that blazed the way are watching on, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race for him. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, cave, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know what I think? This is for everybody, but I want to speak specifically to fathers. I think God wants to shoot adrenaline into your soul, not just so you can have adrenaline. I think he wants to shoot adrenaline into your where did it say shoot it? Souls. I think he wants to shoot it into your souls to get you out of the cave. God never stirs you up to stay still. God will never shoot adrenaline in your soul, soul just to be done. The reason that he's stirring you up, the reason he's provoking you, the reason that, 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 that you're hearing these words and it's stirring your heart and your spirit and your soul it's because God's saying, this is your coming out party. You've been running to places of hiddenness. You've been running to places, fortresses, refuges, safe places. You've been in church and body. You've been in your marriage and body. But your soul has fallen asleep. And we need an adrenaline shot from heaven into our souls to wake it up again. Fathers, you know how you connect with your kids? Not just your body. Your soul. Like David, he was the fiercest of warriors, but he had the most tender of hearts. He could take on anybody. He could, man, I, some of you have young kids. It's just amazing how your kids look at you, isn't it? Dad's like, it just, it just, man, it just feels good. Like, man, somebody messing with them, and they're like, Dad! It's like, yeah, we're there, boy. <laughs> He's seven, that's all right. Because it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're the hero. That lasts for a little while. You know what makes a lasting impression? The example of your life and how you live. When they saw you in a cave and they saw you still rejoicing.
when they saw you. See, we don't want to be vulnerable with our struggles or our weaknesses or the things that we've gone through. So we say, oh, the kids are never going to see anything. They're gonna, never going to know anything. You know what? If you could handle it correctly, it'd be good to give them a little sneak peek of what you're walking through and just let them know, hey, daddy's discouraged, but daddy won't stay discouraged. Hey, dad's having a difficult time today, but I'll never stay this way. You know why? God's my strength. I take refuge in him. I trust him. Your difficulty is an opportunity for you to train your kids how to deal with the caves that will confront them. You got to show them with your life. There's a king inside of you. You can't stay in a cave. You can't stay hidden. You can't stay in retreat. It's time to advance. It's time to wake up. It's time to be and to do the things that God's called us to be and to do. And you can do it. You can do it. Why don't you stand up with me all across this place? I feel the presence of God. I think when you're talking to dads, sometimes uh, it can be heavy just because of the weight of the responsibility. I think sometimes it can be challenging because we all fail. We all mess up. I think it can be difficult because as kids get older, they have to make their own decisions. And sometimes you can take it on yourself that you did something wrong because they made a bad decision. I understand that all of that's part of it. I just want you to know today, I'm going to talk to everybody now. I feel like in our next couple moments before we close, God wants to call you out. Call you out of the caves. Call you out of hidden places. Call you out of those things, that, the safe place. I'm here in body. You know how it is to be a friend in body but not in soul. You know, have you ever said those words, I'll never trust again? I'll never love like that again. I'll never let them in. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your soul is being barricaded in a cave. You've got to come out. You've got, you got, you got to come out. Some of you are like, how do I get out? Well, David gave us the recipe. I will take refuge. I will cry out. And I will praise my God. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.